Blog Talk Radio. Recruiting Animal here on August 16th, 1-6-2017. Summer's almost over. Who can believe it? Anyway, I want to tell you something. I got a friend who sent a candidate. He's a recruiter. My friend sent this candidate out for a very technical engineering job. The guy was well qualified, and the candidate liked him, or no, the client liked him, and the candidate liked the client. But here's what happened. After all the interviews, they discovered that this guy had a blog, and he'd been writing about the interviews he had during his job search, right? And he was very critical of some of the interviews and some of the interviewers. And you know what? This new company that that was going to hire him, they didn't like that. So they pulled away their offer and rejected him on account of his blog. And, you know, after this guy at Google, James Damore, After he got fired, I remembered that story. You know, he got fired for blogging that women are different from men, you know, and it got me wondering about something. There's a lot of articles online that cite studies. They refer to studies that show that women are better managers than men. Women are actually better than men, right? They're more naturally qualified. So I was wondering what would happen If you had a good candidate for one of your jobs, the client liked him, and then they discovered that he had a blog. And on that blog, he liked to promote the idea that the structure of women's brains made them naturally better managers than men. And he cited all these scientific articles that are easy to find online. Could he get rejected because of that blog? That's my question for you this week. It's very profound, I know. On Jerry, Jerry, what's The recruiting animal. or he forgot it's Wednesday, but he ain't here, at least not yet. Anyway, I'd also like to thank my sponsors, Martin Snyder. He's the big boss over at PC Recruiter. He likes to call it the Swiss Army Knife of recruiting software. And also Nin Tran, Nin with an H at the end, over at Hire Tool, H-I-R-E-T-U-A-L. It's the super-duper sourcing tool. I've been, you know, got complaints about promoting my buddy, Jim Durbin. He's got a recruiting class every Monday afternoon. You can find out about it at sourcingworklab.com. Sourcingworklab.com. Sorry, all you haters. He's my friend, okay? I'll give him a plug. And I also want to encourage you right now to send out healing rays. You know they work to animal show regular Kathy Manis, who's in a medically induced coma in a hospital right now, somewhere in California. Anyway, Kathy, I want to tell you about this. Kathy put, you know, somebody's line is making noises, and that always bugs me, okay? But I'll get to that after. Kathy puts her participation on the Recruiting Animals show on her resume, and she's told us many times that it always leads to interesting conversations in her interviews. So I'm going to suggest that some of you might try that too. Even our guest for today, who's still in a job search, his name is Mike Walford, okay? And, uh, I, I, you know, if he's looking for, you know, something that he hasn't found, I'm going to suggest he make that change to his uh his resume. Okay, Mike Walford, are you here today? Did you show up? I, I am here, sir. Mike Walford, ready to go. Okay, when I can talk you hear me? You, when I talk, answer. Yeah, can't you hear me? Yes. When I talk to you, answer. When I talk to you, answer. Don't make me wait. I don't like that hesitation. Okay. Uh, and if somebody's line is making those clinking noises, I'm going to have to go through all the lines 
till I find you. Can you hear that, Mike? Clink, 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 clink. Just I can't on my end. You. Okay. Okay. Okay, we're going to do a song today. I've made it so easy for you. We're going to hum The Godfather. Can you handle that? Hmm. We'll see. Yeah, look Let's how long it. it took for him to answer that, everybody. You know what? If I would give you that as a, a question to see how quick-witted you are in an interview, and you just failed. Okay, we're going to go. I'll count to three. One, two, three. And 
you know, from my experience over the last month, I could say we still have a long way to go on that. So I don't know. I don't think we want to talk about it for a long time, but. Wait, wait, wait. Can you hear me? Okay. Would you want to work for a company that didn't didn't get back to you? No, that's exactly it. No, not now, not in the future. Or or would you tell them, look, you have to hire me because your process is broken and I'll come in and fix it for you. You think that would be a good uh, selling point? Um, I don't think people like hearing that, candidly. And it uh-huh. comes across as condescending and arrogant in most cases, my my experience. People don't like hearing that, you know, we didn't do a good job and I can come fix you. Like, people don't want to think that they're broken. Okay. And nobody's got the guts to expose these people online, like in the groups, because uh, you need them. You're trying to get a job from them. Or, or you might you know, build a reputation as a, a sourpuss in the, in the community. What about these books you've written? You've got, you're, you've got a, what's your, your, your book is free right now. If somebody goes to Amazon, it's free. Okay. And it's not usually, it's only three bucks anyway, but it's free. I recommend people go there. What's the name? Silver bullet recruiting. Is that it? No, it's becoming the silver bullet. Um, recruiting strategies for connecting with top talent. Yeah. Okay. Just put in his name, Mike Walford, W-O-L-F-O-R-D, okay? The Walfords. It sounds like a a country band or family or something like that. Okay, Uh, so you told me, are there any other stories about job hunting for recruiters that uh, you want to tell? Not especially. I wanted to mention it because it's frustration. What are they asking? Uh, uh, Please listen to me. What are they asking you in the interviews? What kind of questions? They're asking so they want the situation, the action, the outcome and result, right? Like that's what they, the STAR method. And so the questions are along the lines of how do you deal with conflict? How do you build um, trust among your team? What do you think the biggest challenge in recruiting today is? Those are the type of questions I get. Mm-hmm. And what's, what's your answer to that? What's the biggest challenge in recruiting? Great question. That actually leads me right into the next topic I'd want to talk about. I think – the biggest bottleneck we face as an industry in recruiting is candidate response rate and candidate engagement. We're getting a lot better at identifying people, but as far as getting them to respond back to us, especially those passive candidates, we're, we're getting worse over time, not better. Response rates, I, I see things like people are accepting 20% response rates as kind of an industry standard. And I can't think of another manufacturing process where 80% fail rate would be acceptable. But in, in recruiting, we seem to be okay with it. And I, I, for the life of me, can't understand why. So, uh-huh. yeah, I think that's the biggest challenge in recruiting today. So you, and you think, can you improve it? Do you have ideas to improve the response rate, like putting flaming hot Cheetos in the subject line? No, flaming hot Cheetos in the subject line is not the best way to increase response rates. What I what I How think. Can you increase uh, good, good question. And so I here's what remind, I did. I'm going to tell you something. I just oh, no 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 no. I want you to remember this. You're not a professor and you're not at a university. So you know, don't go on lecturing. Give us a nice, clear answer. Concrete. Yeah yeah. No, I will. So what I did is I found a tool that tells me in advance who is most likely to respond to me. And when I've been following the data, and it's the same sort of um, ecosystem that exists, like if you go to Amazon and you try and buy something and then two seconds later it's in your Facebook feed, right, there's that ecosystem of data that exists out there. You can tap into that for recruiting purposes, and you can find out in a given talent pool who's most likely to respond to you. And when we use that data to talk about how, 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 what do you mean how? Okay, I'm, how can you find out what, – what, wait right, a second, right. just let me ask you the question. How can you find sure. out who's more likely to leave? My sponsor, HireTool, H-I-R-E-T-U-A-L, when you do a search on HireTool, they give back the results, and they tell you who's most likely to be ready to leave. I don't know how they do it. I'm wondering how you figure that out, okay? I also want to uh, mention my other sponsor, PC Recruiter. Yeah, they love you. Go ahead, please. No, exactly. I take advantage of a tool. I take advantage of a tool like that that does it for me because I can't track ten thousand people, right? 
not today, not mm-hmm. every day. So I use a tool like Hire Tool to tell me who's most likely to engage. When you do that and the data that they're using on the back end is good, response rates increase dramatically. When we did that as a team at Hudson, um, our response rate, we, we were doing the 20%, right? When we followed the data and we used a tool like this, response rates went to 80% or better when the data told us from the tool that people were likely to engage. Now, we didn't get better at messaging, unfortunately. Okay. No, hold on a second. We didn't get better hold at all those things, but we used the data. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Listen to me. I'm a guide on this show. I'm going to tell people how you did that. First of all, you surveyed. You were looking for pharmaceutical salespeople, and you surveyed the whole market. Uh, you had a bunch of people on your team. They had the time to do it, so they made a list of 6,500 pharmaceutical salespeople across the United States. That was your total market. I can't. Be, I want to know from you. I'll ask you afterwards if you believe that every recruiter could actually uh, figure out what their total potential market of candidates is like you did with this 6,500 number, okay? Then you started tracking the, the behavior, the job-seeking behavior of all of these people online. And if they, uh, you know, clicked on an ad, they would get a certain number of points. If they applied to a job, they would get a certain number of points from zero to 72. So every morning your recruiters came in, they looked at your uh, – charts and that they saw who's got the highest scores and those are the people they went and called first those were the indicators their online behavior uh maybe they you said they would even complain they these idiots would complain on twitter about they hate their job i don't know if i'd hire somebody like that but you look for all those things and then you went after them is that what you're telling us now we have to do to actually increase the response rate identify the people who are most likely likely to leave and then go after those first. Is that what you're saying? I think that's the most efficient way to do it. That's not going to finish the job all the time, but for the average recruiter, if you can go out and contact 10 people, eight of them get back to you and they're in your job space and they're relevant candidates, eight, eight phone screens is most, recruiters are going to be able to handle in a week is eight, maybe 10. So you're done for the week. So if you can give that recruiter back all of that time, absolutely. Not only is, and it's better for us as a whole industry too. The other thing we do, part of the reason it's 20% is we're so many of us are on LinkedIn, just in mailing away and we're burning down the forest. We're trying to hunt in and it's ridiculous. And you know, we got to stop spamming people. So this is a practical piece of advice, not only for an individual contributor, but I believe for the industry as a whole. Okay, Mike, do you believe that any recruiter could go out and find the total number of potential candidates like you did? That sounds unbelievable to me. Um, well, first of all, we're not going to find everybody, right? Like that's a misnomer, but we're going to find most people. And yeah, I can't, I believe so. I trained about 80 recruiters how to do this. So I believe it's doable. And I think the technology is becoming more and more. How? Well, we use the, I didn't use hire tool, but so I don't want to know. I don't know if you want me to plug in somebody else on, on your show who's not a sponsor, but the very first thing we did. Be free. Okay, so I use Jobberate, and their yeah, front-end you know search what? tool is my called Morpheus. I want, to tell, bah, 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 bah. I want to tell everybody, my sponsors are not like Google. You can say whatever you want on this show, and they're not going to cancel, okay? They give me a free hand. They're freedom-loving Americans, okay, even though I'm Canadian. That's it. They sponsor me, <laughs> even though I'm not one of them, okay? There you, you go. You know, and that's great, and God so bless go America for it, or God bless them for it. Um, yeah. yeah, so I used Jobberate, and what I did is I went out and I looked. I used a, a search aggregator. There are several out there, and they all have basically the same data. LinkedIn just got dealt a blow the other day in court too, right? Now that now we get to survive, so that's kind of nice. And you can you can do that search, right? You can do that search in an aggregator. What the next step is is just monitoring that. What kind that, of aggregator? Right? Name the aggregator. Name the aggregator. Don't just say sure. aggregator. People no, 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 don't even I did. know what you're talking I, about, okay? Okay, so the, oh, the tool, if you go to, what other yeah, Jobberate. 
Job rate has two okay. facets to it, really. It's called Morpheus is the front-end kind of aggregator, and then job rate is like the back-end data storage part of it. Okay. So when I have my talent you know pools, what? I find I'm them in, in Morpheus. I, I don't like I download. with the candidates. I'm going to do an ad. I'm going to do an ad, okay? I'm going to do okay. an ad. Hey. hey, everybody. Hey, okay. I got. I don't know. Am I losing it with this candidate? That, I mean, my, my guest today. There's a lot of people on the line. If you think I'm asking them dumb questions or talking about dumb things, just help me. Say, hey, I've got a better question than you, recruiting animal. Let me speak. I'll let you talk. Okay. But right now I want to talk about my lovely, fantastic sponsor, PC Recruiter. A very, as your president would say, a very good sponsor, okay? Uh, you know what? I've said it before, and I hate to say it, but repetition is what counts. I am going to repeat myself in these ads and say the same thing over and over again until you either leave the show or you get it, right? At PC Recruiter, size doesn't matter. No, because big or small, they fit them all. Big or small, they fit them all at PC Recruiter. You could be a nobody recruiter, a little nobody, a little pisher, just making enough money to get by. You know what? You're still a king with them. You're the equal of some giant company. They give you good service even if you're small. And they give you fantastic service even if you're big, right? It doesn't matter. If you're a recruiter, PC Recruiter loves you. They're the hippies of the recruiting world. They love everybody, and they want to take care of you, and they want to cuddle you, Jackie Clayton. Don't forget that, because at PC Recruiter, say it with me, size doesn't matter. Big or small, they serve them all. So go and check it out at PCRecruiter.net. PCRecruiter.net. Tell them animals sent you so they know that they're paying for something. Okay? Thank you. Back to Mike Walford. Now, Mike, am I say, are we telling people things that – so you say it's possible to identify your whole market and then somehow track all the, you know, job hunting behavior. Theoretically, even if we could, isn't that going to give you the lousy candidates, the active candidates nobody really wants to hire? Are it's they going possible. to be the ones with the highest scores? It's possible if you don't do your search right. So what I learned early in recruiting was it was easier for me to get an interview with a hiring manager from somebody with a direct competitor. I could talk a hiring manager into interviewing somebody who wasn't from a direct competitor, but I almost never had to talk a hiring manager into interviewing somebody from a direct competitor. So you start off by searching for your direct competitors, right? And then you go from there. So are there people who aren't going to be good quality? Are there people who aren't going to um, be up to the task? Absolutely. We still have a job to do. We still have to call people and talk to them and qualify them, right? That, that still needs to be done by a human being. But as far as prioritizing your outreach, I think it's very effective. Okay. So you say if you want to call people, 8 to 10 in the morning is the best time. And when you were uh, actively recruiting as opposed to managing – 8 to 10 in the morning, you had the name, uh, number, and email of every single person you wanted to contact. Am I right? Yep. Call plan the day before. Come in in the morning. My, very, um, my second managing director was a former Marine Corps drill instructor. You needed to be on the phone at 8 in the morning. And if you weren't on the phone from at least 8 to 9, you were going to hear about it. So every single morning – for the first three or four years of my career, eight to nine in the morning at least, I was on the phone making outbound calls. I, I take my own advice. Okay. And I also plan my day. And that's your if you don't plan your day, you plan to fail. As a recruiter, it makes you more efficient uh -huh. if you plan your day because when 2 o'clock rolls around, you're like, what do I do now? You're not twiddling your thumbs. You know what to do. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, so you made a call plan with the names, numbers, emails of everybody you wanted to reach, and you had a list of people for follow-ups, everything. It was a very detailed plan, right? And you've got something else here that you say is a good tip. If You might have a, a really good candidate, but they don't write a good resume. And so you're looking at it and you're wondering, does this person have what I need? Don't toss that resume away. Phone them up and ask. That's your Rule of thumb. Is that right? Absolutely. 
the first piece of good advice I got in this business was when in doubt, call. Developers, software engineers, they're not necessarily um, outstanding writers, right? They're, they're not going to produce, they're not going to be the next Shakespeare. There's going to be grammar errors. There's probably going to be spelling errors on their resume. Their resumes are alphabet soup. But if you think that they've got the core skills that you need, call them and talk to them and find out if they're good. Okay. And uh, how many spelling mistakes do you allow on a resume before you toss it aside? I don't count, right? Like it, it's less okay. important than what they can do. I don't care if they can spell. I care if they can do the job. Okay. Now you give an interesting statistic. You say one hire, to make one hire, you have to go through 100 resumes, eight screens, and four interviews. Where'd you come up with those numbers? That was an example that was given to me at one of the companies I worked for in the past, REI Systems. That was about our ratios. So when we tracked it, that's uh -huh. what we thought. The thing I don't like about that is it's purely operational. And what we try and do when we don't have enough candidates in the pipeline is we don't try and make ourselves more efficient, right? We just try and jam more people into the process. We never look at our conversion ratios and think, Hmm. I wonder, instead of trying to go find another hundred people, if I just didn't talk to these people correctly, because when you look at a hundred, right, and you're doing uh, a 20% response rate, that means you're only really talking to 20 people to get those eight, which means 80 of the people that you talked to or tried to reach out to didn't give back to you. So instead of trying to find another hundred people where 80 of them don't respond, do you see what I'm saying? That's super inefficient. Figure out what you did wrong with the first 80 people that you contacted. Maybe try and follow up with them. Don't always go out looking for something new. How many follow-ups? Um, my rule of three, I think Jim Stroud does this too, right? When I tell my sourcers uh, about outreach, you know, I try three different avenues. Uh, I will call, text, email, or tweet, or Facebook message, right? Three different types of outreach is what I try. If they don't get back to me, then I leave them alone. And when I text, okay. I only so text once. I don't text people a follow-up. I don't want to become uh, somebody who's harassing, right? Like I don't want recruiters to get that reputation. Try and text them once. Text what's messaging first, is very uh, effective. Yeah. yeah. What's your first mode of contact? Is it text? If I have the phone number, absolutely, and here's why. 90% of text messages are read within three minutes. 99% of all text messages are read. I am unaware of uh -huh. another form of communication that has that kind of open rate. If LinkedIn yeah, sold us that product, get the one cell number. Yeah. Yeah, you're no, it's true. It's harder. Cell number than you are. You're right. You're right. I use it as okay. a first resort if I can get it, but if I can't, then I'll go to other methods. But if LinkedIn came and sold us a toll. If LinkedIn said, hey, in-mail, 90% of in-mail is opened in three well, minutes, let me, let me we pay whatever. On. Look, area code 703, shame on you, calling up and making noise. <laughs> okay, sorry, what'd you say? What'd you say? Sorry, I was saying, um, I don't even know. We got, the train's gone off the rails now, sorry. Okay, let me move on, let me move on. Graduation day, what if you got a hiring manager, as I've had, who insists on knowing you got a, a, a resume. The candidate looks pretty good, but the resume only goes back 10 years because that's all that re that's relevant. The person was already a manager in the first job, the earliest job listed on the resume. So, And there's no date on the graduation from university. Your hiring manager says, go back and get the date. Who's making that noise like a Geiger counter? Okay, the hiring manager says, go back and get the date from that person. Are you going to do it? No. I will confirm that they graduate, but I don't care when. And the reason for there's a lot of reasons for that. I started college in 97. I graduated college in 2008, right? It, I'm a slow learner. So, and I, I had to put myself through college and some things in life happened, right? Like, so it's not an indication. And what they're looking for is information that's protected, right? We are not allowed to discriminate based on age. And I can only understand that request as trying to figure out how old somebody is, which is not okay. And I, I wouldn't say that like okay. that to the hiring manager, okay. but I would tell them, I would say, we are, you're putting us at jeopardy if 
I get that information for you and you decide not to move forward based on it. And I would just tell them the truth because that's the uh, truth. Okay. So it, it, this person could not get you fired, the hiring manager or, uh, or even the recruiting manager, if you say, I will not do this. Okay. That's my line in the sand. No graduation oh, date sure. for you. Because I did it. No, okay, that, I that's not it, my line in the sand, but that is a, yeah, that is a line in the sand for sure. And you tell them why. You don't just refuse. You say, look, it puts us in legal jeopardy. And if they fire you for that, then you could you could sue them potentially for wrongful termination. And yeah, if they're that, not okay that, with blinding you for really law, then why am I there? Oh, yeah. Don't worry about it. You can sue them. Cost you a million dollars for lawyers, and, and it'll take you uh, 10 years as well. No, okay. no, I'm not saying uh, you want to do it, but. Yeah, I know you didn't say it. It was a joke. Okay, wake up. Look, at uh, with the personal photos, you say if you're interviewing someone on a Skype interview and, you know, it's a person's living room or office and you see some uh, family photos on the background, in the background, don't talk about them. You say you may, which is what reminded me to say this from what you said before, you may be putting yourself and your company at risk just by commenting on the stuff the person has publicly laid office. Don't talk about it. Yeah, right? don't. Yeah, don't. I mean, strictly speaking, so I went through and I talked to a couple of HR professionals who are really a lot more fluent with employment law than I am when I wrote that article. And that was their advice to me was if it's not related to the job, you can potentially put yourself at risk by mentioning it because if they, if let's say the job requires travel and you see they have kids and you talk about kids and then you tell them at the end of the day, Hey, we're not going to move forward. They you know, if they go off and zoom, you think I can't travel because I have kids and that's why you didn't hire me. That can cause a problem for you. Not that it would and not that it happens frequently. I'm just about reducing the amount of headaches I have in my life. Uh-huh. And that was the best okay, advice so, I got from people at Sherm and, and places like that. Uh-huh. So you've got these other things. Don't ask people where they're from. Don't ask if they're married. Don't ask if they're taking care of elderly parents or anything. If you see religious jewelry, don't talk about it. Hey, all this stuff is kryptonite. Stay away. You know, you're not going to be very personable if you can't talk about anything. What do you talk about? The baseball? Baseball and football? Is that is that it? Well, uh, I don't or know what your job. interviews are like, but I, I, but I don't bring up church when I'm talking about uh, when I'm interviewing, right? I keep my t- my conversation about what I'm discussing. We haven't talked about it. We've had a great conversation, right? You don't need to talk about it to have a great conversation. Are we having a great conversation, or am I struggling? With I am you? enjoying myself. Think about it. You think about it. I'm going to do an ad for my wonderful sponsor, a very good sponsor. I'm learning from Trump how to talk about people. Very good. They're the best. They're wonderful. Hire tool. H-I-R-E-T-U-A-L. Okay? Somebody tried to convince me last week that it's really hire tool, like a sneeze. Hire tool. But I keep saying hire tool because that makes more sense to me. And I want to tell you, hire tool, even though my – Yes, today doesn't use it. It's a full-service sourcing tool. All the other smart people use it. Brian Fink uses it, okay? He came on and did the ad for me. Dean DaCosta uses it. This guy, he doesn't use it. I can't help it, okay? Maybe he'll wake up someday. You, uh, it's a full-service sourcing tool. You tell it what you want, and it writes Boolean strings for you. That's a question I'm going to ask the guest. Is he a Boolean string master, okay? Don't answer yet. Okay. Then it gives you ranked results. You get all your results, and it puts in a mortar. Uh, the person who's got the closest skills to what you're looking for, the person most likely to move, our client today, the client, the guest, the, <laughs> the guest today said, those are the people you want to call first. You want to know whose behavior online is making them more likely to be somebody who will listen to you. Okay, Hire Tool searches a wide range of websites too. Not just LinkedIn, GitHub, Facebook, all kinds of stuff, believe me. And here's what this guy, Mike Doran, said on my Facebook page. Okay, I've told you before. He said, I was contacted by my rep from another sourcing tool today, and he offered me a good deal, but I told him 
that I just bought a year of Hire Tool. I paid for Hire Tool myself when I was at Dropbox, and I killed it there. I did fantastic, and I highly endorse Hire Tool. It's amazing. I'm a raving fan, and you should go out and get it too. Okay? So that's Hire Tool, H-I-R-E-T-U-A-L. Don't listen to my guest, okay? Listen to my other guests, the ones who've been on before. They beat him, okay? H-I-R-E-T-U-A-L. And if you want to talk to Nin Tran, he's on Facebook, N-I-N-H. T-R-A-N. Okay, back to Mike Walford. Uh, I had a question for you. What about Boolean? Are, is Boolean still important for uh, recruiters and sourcers to know? Um, yes, but not in the way that most of them are thinking, right? It's not about searching for resumes online. It's about making a cleaner search when you're looking for candidates. That's the truth. So you don't want to do the Boolean. Understand. What did where, you say? I don't understand what you just said. Did you say something that made sense? Well, let's try it again. Hey, Katrina, so, give it, hold on. Katrina, take that mustache off. Okay, she's got a mustache on her Twitter page. She's got a, such a pretty face. Sorry, I don't know if that's sexist. I don't like the mustache. Go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, yeah. So when you're talking about looking for resumes, like through a Boolean search with Google, and you're trying to find resumes that way, that's not effective. But if you're trying to search LinkedIn and you need and you understand the Boolean operators, your search is going to be cleaner. You're going to have more people responding to you in less time. And that's what you're looking for. That's where a Boolean becomes important. You don't have to be a Boolean master by any stretch of the imagination, but understanding the fundamentals of how the different commands work and what they actually do help Boolean, you be a more Boolean efficient master, recruiter. Is a Boolean master uh, – don't make me talk over you. I tried to explain it to you. I told you at the beginning of the show, don't hesitate. You hesitate every time I ask you a question. I'm letting you get away with it. But when I start talking, you stop talking. That's the rule on the show, okay? Now, one of these Boolean visionaries or Boolean masters, are they going to be a better recruiter than someone who just understands the operators, like you said? Are they going to generate a lot more people? I don't think so. As a matter of fact, I think they'll be less efficient. Really? Why? You get caught in you get caught in the weeds, right? You're you're doing these searches that aren't efficient and you're you're wasting all your time trying to pick up a handful of candidates. It's not worth the investment of extra time. If if you do a good uh-huh. search at first, you're gonna find most of what you need. It's it's very rare that you're gonna keep going and you're just gonna find another hundred or thousand or you know, mountain of candidates that's been hidden from everybody else and because you're such a Boolean master. All of a sudden, you've discovered all of these unknowable resumes or undiscovered resumes. It's just not going to happen. It's not in the cards. Get in. Do what you okay. need to do. Be clean. Be efficient. Get out. Okay. Now, you wrote this ebook. Go on, everybody. If you just tuned in, go on Amazon. Put in Mike Walford, W-O-L-F-O-R-D. And you'll get this book for free. I tell you what, it's usually three bucks. It's worth it. I bought it. I bought it last year, or quite a while ago. Uh, but anyway, you wrote this ebook. You've got all these articles online. Does that help you when you go into an interview? Do they say, "Hey, Mike, I searched your profile, and I'm pretty impressed"? Uh, does that work for you? Um, not, not really. I mean, I don't think I write consistently enough to be really well known in the industry. I mean, I try and write when I have something I think that's valuable to contribute. I'm not writing just for the sake of writing. I have something I think that would help the industry or the people who read it learn how to do their job a little better. So if I don't have something like that at the moment, I'm not going to write something. And that means I'm not quite yeah, as consistent as some question. of the others. I don't think you understood the question. You go into an interview, you get, yeah, or, or and, and the, per- the person interviewing you, and you said they're dummies, okay? But let's say you got somebody intelligent, and they say, look, I saw you were a guest on the Recruiting Animal Show. I see you've written a dozen articles for Recruiting Daily. Uh, you were on Recruiting Live. You did a webinar with Amy uh, Miller on, on uh, uh, you know, artificial intelligence. Uh, it sounds like you must know something. Uh, is that worth? And then they read that stuff. Uh, does that impress people? Do they ever bring it up that you know they read your articles and they really like them? Um, it's happened, but not during the interview process. 
amazing, amazing. Well, then what do you, you know what? Then you're doing it just for your own self, just like you said, your own pleasure, your desire to help other people. I thought that stuff is supposed to give you credibility. And what you're saying, in contrast to everything everybody else has ever said, you can your heart out, and it's not going to do anything for you. I mean, I haven't had any – they've asked about it because it's on my resume, right, like contributing writer, what does that mean? And an alarming number of people are like, there are recruiting blogs. You know, there, there's discussion about recruiting, and it's alarming to me that so many people, you know, have not even bothered to look for information about our industry you know, they go, they've, they've been recruiters for years, and they haven't read anything about recruiting. It, it is absolutely mind-blowing. Okay, so there's two different worlds of recruiting. There's the recruitosphere, where you, me, Jerry, Michael G. Cox, and Maureen, and everybody, we all know each other. We think everybody participates in that, but there's, that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's a huge ocean full of recruiters who don't even know that exists. They've never heard of Mike Walford. Is that, that's what you're telling us. It's, I've heard that it's true. Hmm, what do you know? Okay. Okay, I'm going to do another ad before the show's over. Look, you know, there's a lot of people here. Nobody's asking one question, okay? It's not because I'm blocking you. I invite you to ask questions. You know what? You know who I want to say hello to, Mike? Our good friend, sister, Allison Cruz. She's out there running her little heart off, and you know she used to uh, she used to say, you know, no, to say I listen to the show, and so I would always say hi to her on the show, and, and she stopped talking to me. So you know, I figured, what am I saying hi for to the vacuum? But she let me know she still listens every week. So I want to say hi to Allison Cruz. We love her, don't we? Okay, Mike, we love Allison Cruz, Absolutely. and I'm also going to mention it. Okay, I'm going to mention another another runner, a favorite runner of ours, Nick Mazur, M-A-Z-U-R. And, you know, the reason I'm going to mention Nick is, and he told me he loves to hear his name, it's because he uses PC Recruiter. In fact, he told us that he uses PC Recruiter, and he loves it. He says he's demoed a ton of systems, and PC Recruiter has the most robust features. And you know what? Allison Cruz told me she likes that word robust, just like I do, okay? And I said it's probably for different reasons, but PC Recruiter has the most robust features. And here's somebody else. Like I told you, big or small, we fit them all. She says I'm a solo recruiter. A solo, and I use PC Recruiters, and I'm very pleased with it, even though I probably don't use all the functions. PC Recruiter doesn't care. She counts with them. They love her. One more. There's a guy named Steve Schwartz. He says, PC Recruiter offers great support. You know how important that is. And features that help me make placements. And that's what counts. It's totally worth the cost compared to the value that I get from it. So everybody go out and check out PC Recruiter. PCRecruiter.net. Tell them I sent you. And I'm sorry. You know, I get lots of complaints. Now. Oh, too many ads. Too many ads. He's spending too much time on the ads. The show's an hour long. The ads don't take more than five minutes, okay? And it's all for free. Oh, jeez. You know what? I'm going to join those guys who've never heard of the recruiting social media after all the complaints I get. Mike, what are your top five extensions? Top five? I don't even know that I use five, but I do like Hire Tool. I actually spoke with um, Nin to uh, write an article for Recruiting Daily about artificial intelligence in recruiting. So I like Hire Tool. It's not going to get you in trouble. It gives you good contact information. I like it as a tool. I use Lucia. I used to use Profit. Doesn't really work as well anymore. Um, and I used to use Hunter. That doesn't work anymore either. So those are kind of the four tools. And then I use Extensively to manage my my off and on for my Chrome extensions because I don't want all of those extensions in the background gumming up my speed and slowing me down. So those really are the five do. I use on a somebody, regular basis. Who wrote them? Somebody uh, – remember what I told you? When I talk, you don't talk, okay? Somebody said – if I think it was Aaron Lintz. Even though Aaron criticized me on another blog the other day, uh, he apologized. So I'm going to mention his name. He posted on Twitter that, uh, you know what, if your uh, Chrome is moving slowly – because you've got too many extensions turned on, and that's absolutely true, and you're telling me it's true as well. And that is really important. You don't want a sluggish computer. Am I right, Mike? 
Now your turn. Absolutely. Absolutely right. Okay. 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 What about relocation? Do you have to relocate a lot of people? Um, It depends on the positions I was in. When I was recruiting software engineers, we did relocation on a on a very regular basis. Uh, for other positions, not as much. Something like a marketing manager or an admin, you're not going to see relo for. But for the positions where you have high volume and low supply or relatively low supply, I think there's a good option or relocation be, can be a good option so, so for how, you. How, but I haven't seen it a lot. Because uh, we had Rich – I'm talking – we had Rich Rosen on a few weeks ago. I loved the interview with him. He said he just, you know, he's he's not a corporate recruiter like you. He's a third-party recruiter, and he said he stays away from Relo. It's just too hard, and I agree with him. What's your experience? Well, it's hard to know in advance uh, from a proactive sourcing standpoint, I agree, because you can't know if somebody's going to accept your job and want to move, but if they apply from outside – and they're in California and you're in Colorado, yeah, talk to them because they have some understanding yeah, well, that the I job will be somewhere you know, else. Oh, come on. Please, I'm not an idiot. I'm not an idiot. I'm not asking you about people who apply for the job. Come on. I'm talking about going out and sourcing all those people. You said you've sourced, you know, 6,500 people, and you're obviously you're watching their behavior so you can go out and call them. We're not talking here about people who come to you. Please right. don't insult so, me. Okay. Right. So here's the. So um, We're finished here's with the... that. No, no, no. We're finished with that. You said you have some stuff you want to talk about. There's 15 minutes left. We'll go on to your topics. As long as they're interesting. Go ahead. Sure. Um, well, we've talked about two of the things I wanted to talk about. The last thing I want to talk about is referencing a question you asked me earlier. What is something that. Um, I get asked during interviews, and one of the questions is, what makes a good recruiter? Like, what are the underlying qualities that make a good recruiter? And my answer to that is – Can I interrupt you for a that, second? I just want to announce something. Yeah. Katrina Kibben, you changed your picture. Yeah, I just don't know if I'm being sexist anymore. You're so cute. You've got such a sweet face. I like this better. Okay, there you go. Uh, Mike, back to you. Sorry. Please be more interesting than you were a second ago. You, don't, don't lecture. Remember what I told you? Go ahead. Hey, yeah. Richard Baird, Rich Recruiting, he's still in the world. You know, he used to work for Michael G. Cox. He jumped ship to get married, but he's still listening to the Recruiting Animal Show. Good to hear. I'm over to you, Mike. Go ahead. Sure. So I think the thing that makes a good recruiter underlying is curiosity. They ask the question. And I have a story for it, if you'd like, that's moderately not boring, I guess you would say, but is illustrative of my Love point. The and the reason – and I re- okay, I'll go back to the story. Sourcing at Capital One. I was drawn into this meeting about our tool called Jobs to Web, which is how we posted jobs to the internet. I didn't want to be in the meeting. I'm a source. I was a sourcer. I didn't post jobs, but I was in the meeting with a hundred some odd recruiters, and they're talking about how this thing works. And the lady says, during the the application process, not everybody finishes the application. They drop off. So they don't make it into the layout, but we capture that information for you, and we we can run it in a drop-off report if you want. I'm with 150-some-odd people on a call, and I'm the idiot who raises his hand, right? Like, she's like, anybody got a question? I'm the one guy who's like, yeah, I got a question. What's a drop-off report, and how do I run it? It was just a simple question, and I found the answer, and then I applied what I learned. So I went back to my manager. I got the login to run the drop-off report, and I ran it for my jobs that I was sourcing on because here are a bunch of people who are not in Taleo who are probably going to respond to me, right? And that's a big win for me as a sourcer. I got good contact information, and they're probably going to have a higher response rate than a regular, you know, passive candidate would. So that was one so, win number one. The then I asked the second those, question. Hold on. Those are the people who apply. No, wait, second. Just so those are the people who apply for a job, but your 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 job application is so long they drop off. They're still they're good people to just to, to go after. Okay, that's what you just said, and you found and you told us how you found that out. Okay, what's your next story? I hope it's better than that one. Well, I took it off, took the filters off, and I ran it for the whole company. There were eleven thousand people there, and nobody in Capital One had thought to run it. Okay. 
You're an idiot. The lines are open unless you're 703. Area code 703 came on and was talking to somebody else. I will not tolerate that, okay? Derek Zeller. Oh, my nemesis. Go ahead. Sorry. What did you want to say? I, I said nobody else had even – yeah, you still with me? Yeah, go ahead. Nobody else. There were 300-some-odd people. Can you hear me? Yes, I Hello? can. Awesome. I can, I'm going. Yeah. 11, 300 people took that, took that meeting. Nobody else thought to run the report. Nobody asked the question, and that's the problem. The greatest tool you have as a recruiter is your brain. I love recruiting tools. I love hire tool. I love technology. I love technology and recruiting. But the very best weapon that you have as a recruiter is your mind. Use it. Ask the question. When you don't know, ask. Okay, yeah. uh, you, mentioned what, Jim. What you mentioned Jim the other day. You, you, you mentioned Jim the yeah. other day, though, or you mentioned Jim today, and that was exactly what he I, – I took his class yesterday. I was in his lab yesterday, and that was at the heart of his lesson was ask the question. When he has a new job and he doesn't understand what those people do for a living, he gets on the phone with them, and he just tells them, like – I've been in recruiting for a long time, but I don't really understand the nuances of what you do. Can you explain what you do to me? And then they do. And after two or three people explain to him what they do for a living and, and the technology and the tools and, and the, you know, the lingo around that particular industry, he's good to go. And so don't pretend like you know everything. None of us does. If you're in a situation where you don't know, ask the question. Okay, so you just you took Jim's Jim's course. He was offering. I offer it now. If you want to take a free session with Jim Durbin, get in touch with him on Facebook and tell him you heard about it on the Recruiting Animal Show. The first person who gets in touch with him gets a free class. Is it worthwhile to take that free free class, Mike Wolford? Okay, you know a lot already. You've been in the business ten years. Was it worthwhile for someone like you? Yeah, I, I did. It, it, I learned some new things and some new resources, which I will definitely use. And I heard some of the things that other people in the industry who I respect have said, and it provides validation to that. So I think it's absolutely worthwhile. He does real examples of real jobs in real time. Okay. Enough, and I enough, like that. Enough. 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 He's not paying. He's not paying for it, okay? Sourcingworklab.com if you want to check that out. Area code 503. Is that Derek Zeller, the big mouth who wants to actually talk to you? Derek, is that you? Five, area code 503. I just right. opened the line. Complains that I never okay. let, let him open. Okay. Yeah. You, well, you have a question? You're on. I never, never have a question. Yeah, I love him. Yeah, Wolford, you're you're, you're amazing, okay. dude. You're the, you're you are yeah, amazing. Yeah, you know what? This and is not a socializing. No, hey, show. I'm talking now. I'm talking now. Show. I'm talking now. I'm talking now. Yeah, but you're talking now. I'm talking now. I'm talking now. I'm talking now. How's it feel, animal? How's it feel? I'm talking now. How does it feel? You sound like an idiot, okay? Because you're you're boring. No, you're the idiot. You're chief. not asking. We already got. We already. Everybody already knows that. <laughs> Hey, you know what? Let's go to an Ask ad. Him a question can we go to an recruiting. ad? Let's go to an ad. I can go to an ad. I can go to an not? ad. But don't make Let's go to an I ad. Got, I got my finger on the trigger. I got my finger my on the Wolford trigger. Okay. It. You Mike sound Wolford. like a moron. This is this has been a this has been the best show you've had in a while. Yeah, yeah, Mike on every week. Okay, good. Yeah, good. Well, Mike's welcome to come back. Nobody wants to come on the show, I'm sure to guess. Okay, Mike. Mike, Mike yes, Wolford, you are not somebody who worships the hiring manager. You say, look, the hiring manager is not your client. He or she is your partner, okay? And when they're on your team, when you're doing a job for a hiring manager, they're your equal, not your boss, okay? Because it doesn't work that well when you've got an uneven relationship. And if you say they're your client, that that ruins things. You want to talk about that a bit? you have any examples yeah. for Derek? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. So uh, here's my problem with that. The assumption of the client with the hiring manager leads to all kinds of problems downstream. And the one thing that 
triggers in people's mind that's really a big problem when you're recruiting is the customer's always right. And if you're if you think of your hiring manager just as the client and you adapt that mentality that they're always right, then we're going to come up with a lopsided relationship that we have now. I have been in meetings and I'll give you an example. I had a COO come into a recruiting meeting, a recruiting team meeting, and some job had been open for, you know, God forbid, 60 days or 90 days or something like that. And his statement to us was, there are 300 million plus people in the United States. I only need one. What's your problem? And it just shows a fundamental difference of point of view. For him, there was an abundance of talent. Why, why didn't we, um, you know, find somebody? What was wrong with us? And we had to share back to him, look, that's a lot of hay to sort through to find you one needle, Right. Like, there's two different points of view you know based what? on okay. that one First point of, of all, information. First of all, you told this story. If someone wants to hear this story, check out, you know, the uh, go to YouTube. He's on there with Katrina Gibbon telling the same story. But, you know, somebody who comes in and says there's 300 million people in the United States, surely you can find me one of these people with the highly specialized knowledge. You just say, look, you're an idiot. There's 300 million people. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything in relation to this job. There's old people. There's little kids. There's illiterates. How many people are well, trained I- in this? Don't give me talk. Don't talk to me like that, you big shot. That's the way you talk to somebody who, you know, talks down. He says something stupid like that. You go out and find somebody if it's hanging around on every corner. That's what they're trying to tell you. Oh, there's tons of people. Nonsense. You know, I just thought, well, you know, when Jerry's not here, I should just uh, ask Derek Zeller to come on. Criticize me. Okay. Yeah, uh, is, is there that. anything else, Mike? I'm always happy Black, to do that. You know, if, if, if you're going to uh, maybe get fired by telling somebody no to – finding the year somebody graduated, I would hate to think what happens if you say to the COO in front of a team of people, you're an idiot and you're totally wrong. Like, that's not <laughs> effective. Okay. Not, not okay. effective, we would are say. You, last question. Last question. Sure. Are you one of the – well, first of all, are you, no, you know what? I'm going to stop. Mike Walford, you've heard him. He's fun to talk to. Even Derek Zeller likes him, okay, uh, a sourpuss like Derek. If uh, – if Mike Walford is Mike, you know he knows all kinds of data. Yeah, it took him ten years to get his degree. Okay, but he's got other reasons. People think he's smart. He can talk about data that you know persuades these goofballs who talk about oh, three hundred million. He'll come back with real data from you know government websites, and it shuts them up. Okay, you want a guy like that on your team, and he's looking for a job right now. So his Twitter address is Mike eleven seventy eight. Have a chat with him, and he's Mike Walford on uh, Facebook. He's got a free book today on Amazon. If you don't go there and get it for free, you're stupid, okay? You're an idiot. So I'm advertising Mike Walford, the guest for today. Any last – you don't have to say anything. Okay, Mike, I'm going to end the show. I want to thank Derek. I want to thank Rich. I want to thank Katrina. Who else was uh, participating uh, on the show? I don't know. But Mike Walford, if you want to come back – Anytime. together. Yeah, it's getting good. 